Welcome to a new podcast, new episode, Make Happiness. Glad you're here. Glad you're listening. This is going to be super fun. Alex and I are sitting down. We're going to talk about the Tuscobia Winter Ultra Race that we did last weekend. Uh, so yeah, do you want to start off, just kind of explain what the race is and go over that? Sure. Um, so the <clears throat> the Tuscobia Winter Ultra is a race in December in Wisconsin that you can either run, bike, or ski. There's a 80-mile length and then 160 mile length the 160 um starts in rice lake wisconsin and then you go out 80 miles and then you turn around and come back 80 miles on the same trail the 80 miles just goes one way it's all snowmobile trail yep so uh none of it's on paved roads or gravel roads or dirt track or anything it's all in snowmobile trail there's plenty of snow this year so there's a good base um and yeah so that's the entirety of the race uh the <laughs> good start good yep. start and and podcast <laughs> so the we'll just dive straight in the first like we got there like friday and race is uh saturday it started at 6 a.m uh there's a pre-race meeting and gear check that we had to go to and we've never had to do that before so that was kind of fun there's we had to there's like mandatory gear you have to have so you have to have a zero degree sleeping zero degrees sleeping bag a a bunch of lights and extra batteries and um uh i think like 10 inches of reflective material on the front and back just so you're visible because if you get hit by a snowmobile you're uh, not going to be too happy about it so being seen is a uh, very important in this race but going to the gear check on Friday was kind of fun. It was weird getting like we didn't know what to do because we've so we like walked in w- just without any of our gear for whatever reason. We're just like looking around and then we had to go back to the cars to get our gear and walk back. I think that was redundant, but yeah, I mean, it's our first time doing something like this, and um, we didn't want to have to go in and get our race plates and carry those out with all of our gear, that kind of thing. So we just went in with that. Um, before we get too far into that, too, I want to talk about some of the training that we did in preparation for this because obviously you don't just walk into something like this having not prepared at all um and especially being that you have to carry so much gear on your bike <clears throat> so it's 160 miles was that's the we signed up for the long one um the longest ride that we had ever done prior to that on our fat bikes was 70 miles and so we had never even breached 100 and so we were going to be doing over double what our longest ride was previously. And then uh, on top of that, we did a lot of riding with all the gear loaded on our bikes to get familiar with the weight, get familiar with um, pedaling that heavy of a bike through deep snow and that kind of thing. And our goal going into this race wasn't to win it and go fast. We were definitely going for comfort over speed. So we knew we had overpacked gear. And we had a little bit more on our bikes than necessary. We knew that we weren't going to be going super fast. But if the weather changed, if conditions got really harsh, we knew we had all the gear that we needed to be comfortable and uh, continue going forward. So the race itself it has a 48-hour time limit to go the 160 miles. So we knew that no matter what, we'd be able to get to the finish, even if you got a um, set up your bivy and sleep for a few hours and then keep going. It's just, a, you can get to the finish. It's just a matter of how long it's going to take to get there. Um, I wanted to say about the training stuff too. <laughs> we were trying to figure out like all the like layering and all the gear to bring and all the different clothing, but looking at the weather, the weather was going to be uh, like just above freezing and raining for the majority of the race. So we brought like 
four pairs of gloves. We bought like six different shirts and four jackets with us. So we had so much shit. Yep. And yep. And that's the thing. It was our first race. So there's things that you learn and things you take away. <laughs> and uh, there's a lot of that, which we'll get into later. Well, it's also like no matter how much you pack and how many rides you go on before... The night before the race, you're always second guessing every piece of gear that you have and yep. trying to figure out if you know you need to bring this or like. I think I took a couple pairs of like gloves and socks in and out of my my bag like two or three times the couple days before. I'm like, oh, I don't need it, and I'm like, well, you know, now I'm, the weather's looking a little different. I'm I'm gonna pack these, and it's like it's a pair of gloves. Like just leave them in there, but. Um, <clears throat> I'm, I like to compare it to like your first time going camping or something like that where. You've never done it before. You're going to bring way too much stuff. And then as you go camping more, you find out, okay, I only need these things. And you just bring the necessities. And this was our first winter ultra. We packed way too much stuff. But we were aware we packed too much stuff because we were kind of familiar and knew what we were getting into. But we just uh, hadn't, you know, we were diving straight in. Yeah. (laughs) Like we, we've done, you know, the ultra stuff in in the summer, like the long rides. But the winter is a whole different thing. Yep. <clears throat> what do you want to talk about next? Um, well, so you talked about the the pre-race meeting. Um, it was kind of cool. We were sitting there, and um, they were doing awards for people that had done it five five years and you know completed it five years and all these different uh, really cool achievements that other racers had done. And then they called out the youngest racer to attempt the 160-mile event. They're like, yeah, you probably know who you are. You're 22 years old. You're from Minneapolis. And... Of course, it was Ian, and so he was the youngest rider to ever attempt the 160, let alone finish it, and so that was really cool, and he got recognized for that, which I think was another boost of, yep, we got to finish this thing, Yeah, <laughs> which we were already planning on. Like I said, it's, we knew we'd get there. It's just a matter of how much time it would take. I think that's half of it is just, you know, putting your into that state of mind of like, I'm going to finish, you know, if you, if you start out the race thinking like, well, I might DNF and that right there is just yeah. already any amount of uncertainty is going to wear you down, especially you're out there for hours and hours with nothing to do, but think about how harsh this is or what's hurting on your body or what you didn't bring with you or what the too much stuff that you brought with you. And, uh, it's really easy to convince yourself that I don't want to continue. And so forcing yourself to stay in that mental state is a really big thing. Um, With these kind of races, I think it's definitely more of a mental battle than a physical battle and just being inside of your head for that amount of time. Right. Well, then that, uh, so on Friday, that racer meeting didn't finish till like 8 p.m. or something. We still needed to check into our hotel, bring our bikes up into the room and load up our gear and then get up at 4 a.m. the next day. Yep. That that was uh, was stressful. (laughs) I was stressed and I was uh, anxious to get back to the hotel and get stuff done because I wanted to get some sleep. Yeah. Um, We went to sleep at like 10, 10 maybe. And we woke up at four. Yeah. And uh, my bike is a longer bike. It's uh, what's considered a cargo bike. So it doesn't fit in the back of the car. We actually had to bring a utility trailer towing behind the car and we put both our bikes in the trailer. And so the morning of the race... We actually biked from our hotel three miles to the start, and we stopped at a quick trip and got some breakfast and that kind of thing on the way there. That was a couple blocks away, but it was a nice little warm-up on the way there, but then we also knew that after we finished, we would have to bike three miles back to the hotel. (laughs) 
So yeah, that was fun. The uh, and then bringing our bikes down the stairs with our like eighty pound bikes. I was really curious how much they weighed. They gotta I, be at least. I think mine with all the gear I had was right around seventy five pounds. Yeah, like ballpark, and that's that's a lot of weight to carry. And like I said, we knew we overpacked, but that's it's a pretty flat race. There's not a ton of hills, mm-hmm. and so that was another thing that kind of pushed us to be like, well, if we have too much gear, it's not like we're climbing a bunch of really steep hills. It's just continuously going on a flat uh course for 160 miles but that's the other thing that we learned uh midway through the race is there are no downhills you can coast and let your legs rest it's flat so you are pedaling for 160 miles you can't yeah coast and take a break no. if you stop pedaling the bike stops and you're not moving yeah you're slowing down significantly if you stop um yeah and then so the race start was 6 a.m saturday uh conditions were really good at the start it was like 15 degrees 20 degrees and so yeah in these kind of races on snowmobile trail you actually want colder temperatures because the snow uh packs better and just stays in better conditions for it's much uh, easier to ride through yep and so that was really good it was really good hard pack and we were able to maintain i don't know 10 or 12 mile an hour pace for the first uh quarter of the race which was awesome <clears throat> well yeah we were so the race started and it like we're probably like right behind the first like group of people like we all there is one break at the start like a sprint so there is maybe six of us yeah so so at the start there were 52 bikers doing the 160 mile event yeah so there's 52 people that left and we were probably up in that top 10 or 15 people that kind of broke away well everybody else is going a casual pace and uh we knew if we can just hold it with them not pushing ourselves too hard we'd be able to get a little bit further ahead of the pack well that's i wanted to bring this up yeah alex for whatever reason just wanted to keep up with the guy in first so he just books it he's literally like sprinting like 17 18 miles an hour and then i start falling back and i'm just like okay i guess i gotta go catch him so i like uh trying to haul ass and just I, slow him down just I, like alex what are you doing i knew he wasn't gonna hold 17 18 so i was trying to stay with him through that gap he was putting in because i knew at some point he would back off and slow down but he didn't back off as quick as I thought he would, so I had to slow down. But, you know, you you got to try, and then, uh, yeah, it didn't work out. So. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, just like, Alex, I caught up to him. I'm like, this is a long race. This is a marathon. You need to pace yourself a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Don't yeah. jump the gun. But the... Um, so yeah, we were that was fun, and then there's a, maybe a group of like I said, six of us that kind of like rode together for that first quarter of the race, and then there's a halfway point called Ojibwa. Well, not halfway to the turnaround. So yeah. a, you're a 40, quarter, the, 45 miles into the race um, is the first checkpoint. Uh, yeah. So that was a. It's like a warming house kind of thing where they got a fire pit or a, a fireplace and a bunch of food and warm water. So that was super nice. But we all kind of held together for that that section. There was a uh, Kate. I don't remember her last name. Kate Coward. Yeah, we got to ride with her for quite a bit just before that checkpoint, and everyone else kind of started spacing out a little bit and like slowing down, going their own pace. So. Yep. And then uh, we were in that first checkpoint for ten minutes and left because we knew we had all the things we needed on our bikes. We just basically went in, filled up on water, down some snacks real quick, and then kept moving. Yeah. And. As soon as we left there, that was probably four-ish hours into the race. Yeah. Um, we left that first checkpoint, and it was snowing. I remember we got outside from the... We left the inside of the building, got outside, and it was snowing. 
got on our bikes and started going. And it was really cool biking in the snow in the middle of all these pine trees and wilderness with all the snow falling. And then the snow turned to rain and it got warmer. And the snow that we were riding on slowly got softer and um, we stopped. We, I put on some rain gear. Um, I wanted to bring up too, while it was snowing and that transitioning point to like sleet to rain, our whole bikes were just like covered with like a sheet of ice. Yeah. It's just like, you know, our zip, like my zipper on my frame bag, I had to like take off the ice before I could open up my zipper. Right. It was a, it was a definitely a weird environment. Yeah. And you can't really train for that. That's just one of those <laughs> things. Cause who wants to go bike in 35 degrees in rain? And so we, apparently we do well, 160 well, you, miles of it. Yeah. But that wasn't by choice. It's just <laughs> the conditions the race were. Yeah. I'm talking about for like a training ride, you know, you can train for the cold, but that kind of stuff is just, well, this is happening. So <clears throat> yeah, swapped out rain gear and got stuff, uh, situated. And then we continued on there from there was, thir- and then we continued on. Yeah, we did. Yeah. And then it was 35 miles from there to the halfway point in park falls. And that was a pretty good stretch. I don't think we had any issues there. No, the snow was like progressively getting a little bit worse and a little bit like, you know, throughout the, cause at that point it was just kind of steady rain. Yeah. So we were just trying to stay wet and warm essentially. Like that was the game is just, as long as you're warm and wet, that's fine. But as soon as you stop and you start getting cold, like then you're, then it's game over. Cause your body's not generating any more heat. Yeah. And we, we knew looking at the weather before the race had started that the first half was going to be quicker than the last half because the rain wasn't supposed to start till later in the morning. And so we had kind of had a loose game plan of let's get as many miles done while it's cold and we can go fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after that, it's whatever conditions it is, we've got to just keep moving. And right. so uh, getting to that first halfway point, 80 miles in, at, that took nine hours. Park falls. Yep. And so we were like, well, I mean, if conditions stay the same and we can hold this pace, we'll be back, you know, before midnight, which would be awesome. And so... It set the bar uh, high, and we were, you know, spirits were pretty good at that point. Um, we were at the the halfway point was a gastro pub. There was a, a bar, and they had a, a really awesome volunteers there. They had soup and grilled cheese and all kinds of stuff, and they were taking our water bottles and filling them up and taking our layers and drying them out. And I was just like, you are doing too much. Yeah, they were, well, you know, <clears throat> they were super helpful, which is really awesome. But I wanted to jump back a little bit. When we were going out to Park Falls, that was when there's a shorter race, the 80-mile version, that starts at 10 a.m. at Park Falls and just goes one way back to um, right. Rice Lake. So when we were heading out towards Park Falls, maybe the last, it was like 20 miles or so, mm-hmm. we started to see all of the 80-milers go the other way. So a lot of other bikers and runners we were passing going the opposite way. So that was kind of fun to chat with them and like say, Hey, like keep kicking ass or, you know, like just exactly. And it just broke up the monotony of being on a isolated trail by yourself. So seeing other racers out there just makes time go by a little bit quicker. Yeah. It's just a change of scenery. When it was fun when we were going out, you, uh, we were trying to figure out like, Oh, was that the first biker for the 80 mile? Or like, you know, are those two, like, are they the leaders? Like, yeah. Trying to see uh, how far of a gap the leaders had and yeah. what pace people were keeping. There was one runner, too. This is uh, pretty cool. When the, when we rode past, he just goes, hey, is that the 22-year-old? Like, you're you're killing it. Like, keep it up. And yeah. so that was pretty cool. A couple of people recognized Ian from being recognized at the racer meeting, and that was awesome. Yeah. 
after the fact, too, I saw on Facebook one of the bikers doing this race had a mechanical malfunction the night before the race started. And so he opted to run the race instead. And so he took all of the gear that he was going to bike with, put it on a sled, and ran the race. And he finished. And I was just like, Jesus Christ, that that guy's a warrior. Right. But um, I'm sure he was in there somewhere that we saw pass us. We just I didn't know till after the fact, but that was pretty crazy. But yeah, and then uh, the halfway point at Park Falls at the pub, we spent 45 minutes there, which was longer than we wanted to, but we were cold, we were tired, we all of our clothes were soaking wet. And there was real food there, there was pizza we got, like, we yep. we were taking our time. Exactly, and we we made good time there, and we wanted to dry our clothes out, so we did as much as we could, and tried. we pulled the liners out of our boots and tried to let the liners dry off, and uh, we had brought, you know, dry layers, so we put on some dry base layers, put on dry socks dry gloves and then put all of the wet stuff into our bike and add another you know four or five exactly pounds. which i didn't even you know register until after the fact but you're taking off wet gear and putting on dry gear but you still have to carry that wet gear and so all of this water that's soaked into your clothing and in the into the fabric you're just carrying that water weight on your bike so the bikes progressively got heavier as we went on which is really defeating <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so yeah so we put on dry layers and then we were talking with a couple people too because there's maybe like you know six or seven racers in there maybe like five or something because there were more racers coming in while we were drying out and hanging out so we were chatting with some other people and that was pretty fun there was that one guy who this is his fifth year doing it and right and uh the halfway point is a popular spot for people to drop to and uh discontinue the race because of they just are at a point of exhaustion where they can't continue. Mm-hmm. And so there were a few people that were talking about dropping and, uh, our cousin was coming along to shoot some video for the race and, uh, actually ended up giving a guy a ride back to the start because he was dropping and he needed to get his bike back. And yeah, it was, a uh, it was really cool talking to all the racers there and just hearing the stories about past years and how terrible this year is right yeah <laughs> that's what every single person was saying was like, how awful this was this was one of the worst ones yeah and so we got all the dry layers on and then went back outside to continue after the 45 minutes and you go outside for five minutes and everything is soaking wet again yeah so it's kind of like why bother putting on the dry stuff and that sucked because then you're just carrying all that extra water weight but and then we got back onto the trail and started heading back you know so we're going backwards now back to park falls we're going on the same trail on our way back and the snow was at this point pretty mushy so a lot of the or some of the like terms people use is mashed potatoes because it's that soft and kind of like there's no um, it's not like solid. You there's, can't... there's no, none of it packs. Yeah. The consistency of it is just super loose. Mm-hmm. And at that same time, like we were saying on our way out to the halfway point, we saw the runners and skiers coming back. And so now on our way back, we're following that track that they had all taken already. Mm-hmm. And so all the runners going through this, their feet are just post holing in the snow. And so there's, you can just imagine a bunch of little foot size potholes in the snow and you're trying to ride a bike through that. And it's a very, very difficult thing to do. And there's just this tiny little, maybe eight inch wide shelf that's packed from other bikers that you can ride for a little bit. But if your tire comes off of that little shelf at all, it just gets sucked into the loose powder and it pulls you off of that track. And so you're 
trying to ride this little skinny balance beam for miles and miles. And every time that you lose your balance or get a little bit off, you're put a foot down and then you've got to get go and you stop right. and then you've got to get going again. Yeah. There was one time when I was, I was riding and my, my front wheel got pulled and then I went off into the soft stuff and my front wheel just went straight in probably like a foot. So I just went over the bars and fell into the powder and like fell off into the ditch. Yeah. Well, you, the- you went off to the right side of the trail, which there's like the ditch that goes down and that's soft powder. So you put your foot down and yeah. you immediately go up to your thigh in powder. Right. And Ian just tips all the way over. And then uh, I was like climbing out of the ditch and there's some snowmobilers come by and they slow down and ask to see if I'm all right, which is really cool. Like that was awesome. But I was just like, yep, yeah, just, you know, looking at the, the trees down here, <laughs> like yeah. snow so, and the flowers. Yeah. And it wasn't too long after we started heading back that the sun was going down. So most of the ride back was in the dark, I would yeah. say. We were probably only in the light for maybe an hour or two and then the sun went down. Less than that. And so, uh, sun went down and you're soaking wet. All of your clothes are wet. You're warm for the most part because you're moving, but if you stop, you get cold. That's the thing. You're riding this little balance beam. You can't get water while you're riding. You can't get snack on food while you're riding. You have to stop and then take out your water and get a drink or take out your food and snack on it and then put it away and then keep biking because you can't do any of it while you're riding. Mm -hmm. And on these gravel races we've done in the summer, we're so used to being able to do all of this while we're moving, which is a huge gain in efficiency just because of the, every time you stop, that's, you know, more time added to your finish time. And so the more things you can do while you're moving, the better. Um, and it added up so, so quickly. So when we started slowing down quite a bit too, like we, we were only going like eight miles an hour probably at that point. Uh huh. We weren't, we couldn't carry a fast pace because the conditions were pretty like bad. And it was getting really frustrating. You get super pissed because you can't ride your bike. Like yeah. You try to pedal and you just keep falling over and you're, you're fatigued and you're sleep deprived and you're just want to be able to keep moving and just find a rhythm. And, uh, we were getting really pissed about this, not being able to ride. And then finally it dawned on Ian actually brought it up. He's like, yeah, we should probably air down. And I was just like, Oh no shit. That, that makes a ton of sense. And, uh, just never crossed our minds because you're just in this weird place. And so we stopped, we let air out of our tires and that made the biggest difference in the world. And Mm -hmm. from there we were able to ride easier than we were before. It was still super, super difficult, but Mm -hmm. we were able to at least, stay upright on the bikes and at this point we're going back and we're still towards the front of the pack and the 160 milers out of those 52 we knew we were in the top 10 and so uh we had put quite a bit of a gap in there staying with those front guys or front uh racers and we started seeing other 160 milers on their way out to that halfway point at park falls while we were on our way back and you could see a lot of them having the same issue uh putting foots down and like getting squirrely on the trail in the loose snow. And so there was a few of them were like, yeah, you know, did you let air out of your tires? It, it'll make a difference. And some of them were like, yeah, I've already done it three times. And some of the other people were like, no, I didn't think about that. It's a good idea. So, um, being able to just talk to other people, see how they're doing and just having human to human interaction <laughs> sometimes, uh, makes a big difference when you're out there. It was also like when we were going back, we caught up to all of the runners in the that were carrying their sleds. Yeah. So we had to pass. Well, not carrying. They're they're pulling their sleds. Yeah. 
uh, we had to pass all these runners on this shelf. And so they're, cause they're walking on the trail and they're like packing this down for us and riding the only solid spot. So we have to go out into the middle of the trail where the snowmobiles ride and where it's really soft. And it's like a foot deep of just like slop basically. And you got to go faster to pass them. And then you got to get back over onto the shelf where it's packed again. And that was really, really tough. I know there was at least two or three times we were passing runners and yeah, so it's the bikers, runners, and skiers. They're all using this little shelf. Mm-hmm. So anytime, and the, obviously the bikes are moving at the fastest pace. So we're trying to pass all of these people as we catch them. And there was two or three of them where uh, we get up to them. I go out into the middle of the snowmobile trail and start breaking trail to get around them. And as soon as you hit that, like Ian was saying, you're trying to speed up to pass them. And I would just immediately slow down. And then trying to get back over, I'd lose my track and then fall over and put a foot down and then the walker or the runner just slowly passes me and then I have to get behind them and try to do it again and so you're literally getting passed by people walking with sleds and it's such a challenging mental battle because you're fighting so hard and exerting so much energy just to be able to go four miles an hour right yeah I want to talk a little bit more about that mentality stuff because I was like in a pretty bad mental but like pretty the last half of the race I was not doing well. I didn't have any training because of my foot injury and Yeah, you should talk about that. Um the yeah, a couple months ago I tore two ligaments in my ankle, so I was off a bike for uh 6 weeks probably. So I before this race I only had 3 weeks on a bike. So it's not a whole lot of time to train and ride for this kind of a race, let alone a loaded bike with all kinds of gear on it. Yeah. But uh, thankfully, my ankle is actually feeling pretty good. Like, it wasn't sore or anything because the boots that I had are super stiff, so your ankle is not really moving a whole lot anyways. But because of that lack of training, my mental state and my body was just so exhausted. I was literally running on 0% energy for the last probably 60 miles of the race. And I was getting so pissed at everything. And Alex was just like, dude, it's fine. I was just like, I'm not taking any of this. Like, I, I seriously was going, it was bad. I need to... I don't know why I kept getting so pissed at it. I was just, I think I was letting all the conditions in the environment kind of control my emotions versus me controlling, like, you know, taking the environment and just kind of taking it as it is. I was letting everything get to me. So I was just getting in my own head about everything like it's happening to me versus I'm, you know, just doing it on my own or like, you know, reversing it. But right. And it's really hard when we spent maybe two or three hours going four miles an hour if that and so you're going four miles down the trail just four miles and it takes you an hour right and trying to accept that and know that okay like this could be the rest of the race and that it it eats at you it's really hard to get over that it's defeating it's one of those things where you just have to accept it and just be like well this is what it is and And are we going to keep going or i have the choice to stop if i want to stop and dnf but that's not the like where we were so yeah i we was uh, to finish you were definitely a lot better just accepting it and kind of moving forward where i was just in my own head like so pissed at everything but the only thing that like i was that was a positive thing for me was that finishing was the only option still you know in my head i was like i'm not right i'm not dnfing like i'm finishing this but um, i might finish in the afternoon on sunday you know we talked about earlier like yeah i was just that was the only thing that was still in my mind we're like yeah this is 
the worst possible conditions and I'm cold and I'm wet, but like, I'm not, you know, I'm pissed at everything, but I'm not going to stop. I'm just going to keep going. Right. And then, yeah, so it was pretty rough. It was cold. And then we got back to that, Ojibwa. Uh, the middle checkpoint. Yep. So that was, uh, from there we had 45 miles left to finish. So, mm-hmm. um, we were there for 20 minutes. Uh, we were drying out layers and warming up and, um, taking, you know, the, whatever snacks and food that we wanted. We, Refilling uh, water. Yep, water. And after that 20 minutes, we uh, got back out on the bikes and continued on. I had to change batteries in my headlight at that point, but luckily all all the other batteries on my lights worked the I whole time. Th- I think it was because it was warm. Our batteries didn't die as quickly. Yep, which is a nice luxury. And so... When we left, though, after those 20 minutes, I was shaking. Like, I was... My body was so cold because it's been sitting. And so getting outside where it's raining again and wet, I was just, like, you know, shivering, trying to, like, regulate my body again and just get going. Yep. And we were wearing chamois underneath of our... uh, The 45 North pants that we had on for the outer shell. And bike chamois have a padding on the bottom for um, sitting on the saddle for so long. And so that just acts as a sponge. And so you're sitting on this wet sponge for uh, 24 hours, and it's not comfortable at all. <laughs> yeah, there is a like getting back on the bikes after that checkpoint was really hard too because my knees were hurting quite a bit because of how much power that we're like trying to you know you're using so much energy trying to push through all of this really mushy snow. So my knees I, were super sore, and it was just really painful to get going again and i was just trying to get back into the rhythm but that's uh, another good point yeah with this kind of a snow condition you can't just downshift into a lower gear and spin it out yeah you have to be in a high gear because you need momentum to be able to get through the snow and so being in a higher gear means you're putting a ton of power down like you know saying and that causes your knees to hurt and your legs to cramp because you're just exerting such a heavy amount of force into going four miles an hour the um we maybe like an um hour or two out from that checkpoint the last one ojibwa so we have maybe 30 miles left or 25 miles left yeah there's a uh, chris chris and helen are the two race directors they're the ones who kind of put this race on and chris the whole day was kind of driving up and down on a snowmobile checking up on people and asking them if they need a ride or if they want a dnf and the he passed us. Well, uh, he passed us and was just like, "Hey, are you guys? How are you guys doing?" We're just like, "Yeah, we're doing good." And he goes, "All right, see you at the finish." And just just kept right. going because we were stopped at that point getting some water and food, and so we were just standing next to the trail. So yeah. he was just checking up to see how things were going, which is pretty awesome that he's like, you know, making sure everyone's doing all right and whatever. Exactly, it gives you a little bit of reassurance that you're not going to just, you know, be left alone to <laughs> fend for yourself out there, but. Uh, it could come to that point if it's the middle of the night because they're not out there all night. Right. There's a point where he quits doing his laps on the snowmobile, but that last bit from the that third checkpoint to the finish was by far the worst conditions the trail was in the whole race because yeah. it kept snowing. Raining. Or raining. <laughs> yeah, I wish it was snowing. It kept raining, and it kept getting warmer. So it was between 35 and 37 degrees that whole last stretch. And we aired down our tires three or four times continuously getting lower pressure Mm -hmm. and it helped but only so much and there's points where you're walking um there like i said it's a pretty flat course but there's a few hills where 
the trail will dip down into a little valley for a creek crossing or like a railroad and then you have to come back up and uh, we were to the point where we would go down coast down the downhill and coast as far up the hill as you could go and we wouldn't even try biking it because there's no way and it's not worth exerting that much energy so we'd just get off and walk and it's very very slow going and it was a, a really big mental push to be able to get and, past that. And so now it's probably midnight right now, like during the race, yeah. maybe. So we were at this point, we've had a full day of riding in rain and cold and you're completely, you know, like yeah, delirious. Nothing was dry. Yeah. And you're fatigued. Your body hurts. <clears throat> we're going through um, up and down these like there's a lot of road crossings, too. So you kind of like jog across all these roads, but they're actually pretty icy, too, because of all the rain. So anytime you get onto the road, I was super glad that I had a front studded tire just because on those sections where, you know, it's like sheer ice on the road. So it was nice to have something to like stay upright because our bikes are, you know, 80 pounds or whatever, and they can slip pretty easily if you turn at all. Right. And yeah, we kept going. Uh, we knew that there was going to be a uh, snowmobile clubhouse that was available to racers after 10 p.m. because 10 p.m. was when the gas station that was in this town, Birchwood, closed. And so um, from 10 p.m. on, this clubhouse was available for racers to go inside and uh, bivy in if they need to sleep or uh, just get inside for a little bit. And when they were going over this at the racer meeting, they said that it was uh, like 16 miles from the finish or 19 miles from the finish. And I'm just like, 19 miles? Like, why would you stop from the finish 19 miles? And like, just go keep powering through. And then uh, we're getting closer to this point and it's like midnight, 1230, whatever. And uh, doing the math in my head about how far we have left to go, which, you know, like 19, 20 miles. But that's like four or five hours. And so, yeah, it's not that far of a distance, but at those speeds, it's not about distance. It's about how much time you're spending in those elements. And my mind flipped total 180. I'm like, oh, thank God that this thing is available. That sounds amazing. Well, when we got to that, uh, the clubhouse, we stopped and I was just like, yeah, Alex, like, do you want to go inside and we can warm up for a little bit? And, hmm. and you're just like, no, dude, let's just finish. Well, like, But to add to that we had just passed two other racers in the 160 yeah so we knew that we were like eighth and ninth right now we broke the top 10 so because we were keeping track of kind of where we were mm -hmm. and um that's that's why my response was no let's keep going like yeah, we just, we can do this and uh we get uh probably half a mile down the trail or like three quarter of a mile down the trail and you just start shaking and you're literally just like okay like we no. well we stopped and I put on a jacket underneath my rain jacket. Yeah. I put I switched gloves, so I had dry gloves, and I put hand warmers into my gloves because that's the thing. Your your gloves are soaking wet, so your fingers, they turn to, like, if you've been in the pool too long or a tub, you know, your, your fingers get pruney. They looked like white latex gloves that had been hit with, like, a hair dryer and all shriveled up, but it was your skin, and you had no choice but to keep wearing the wet gloves. And so I put on dry gloves, hand warmers, and... uh was like, okay, I got warmer stuff on. We can keep doing this. And as I'm changing my clothes and I get back on my bike, my body's just shaking. And I, I like looking back on it now, I think it was, you know, early signs of like hypothermia or whatever, just because you're trying to stay warm, but your body can't generate heat because right. it's the, the wetness. You had a very like serious look on your face of just like, we need to turn around. Like, well, because there was no amenities from yeah. there to the finish. I knew there was nothing. That was our amenity. 
And so we turned around and yep. rode the mile back to yeah, backtrack to, to the warming house. And the, the other thing was when we passed it, you could smell smoke. And yeah. so it was like, I know they have a fire going inside, like a fireplace. And that just sounded like such a, you know, a heavenly thing. It was a beautiful little oasis. Yeah. And so, yeah, we backtracked, went inside there and uh, got inside. And I was we laid our stuff out in front of the fireplace and sat up next to it. We're still our, we're shaking, trying to like. Uh, we were shivering, and the one of the, there was a handful of people in there that run the clubhouse that were there stoking the fire and um, being there for racers. And um, she sounded a little concerned about me uh, <laughs> with how much I was shivering. And uh, she's like, "Yeah, stay as long as you need, do whatever." And it was just like like asking if I was okay. And I was like, "Yeah, I'm fine. It's just trying to control my my body temperature, but." And, and, like, your knuckles were so white. Like, your whole hand was just... Like, yeah, it was a really weird experience because it's above freezing. And so you are you don't think that hypothermia or frostbite is a concern because it's 35 degrees. Mm-hmm. But when you're wet, it changes everything. And like I said, we haven't really trained in those conditions. How do you prepare for that? So this was a whole new thing. And, uh, yeah, definitely learned a lot from it. But, no, you can get frostbite and hypothermia in those conditions <laughs> well we were sitting around that fire warming up and hanging out they had uh, some cookies and some hot chocolate we were drinking that was super nice oh yeah and then there were a couple racers who came in there was a runner and then like two other bikers who came in yep well over the course that we were there we were probably there for an hour and a half yeah two, two hours we were there for a long time but the two that showed up after we were there we were when we got there nobody was in there it was just us mm-hmm. the next two that showed up um, we're talking about a runner a few miles back on the trail that, um, seemed to be kind of losing it and getting a little delirious. And, uh, he was worried about his core temperature dropping. He said he couldn't feel his fingers or his extremities. And he was getting out his bivy, which is like a personal tent. And, um, he was getting ready to get into his bivy in his, uh, zero degree sleeping bag to warm up. And, um, he started setting it up directly on the snowmobile trail, which they went over in the racer meeting. I mean, obviously that's a big no don't do that you're gonna get run over by a snowmobile and so these two guys that were uh came into the warming house talking about it said they stopped tried to help him out like hey dude keep your gloves on like we'll set up your bivy for you and uh he was just like no i got it i can do it and they were like well we're i'm like i'm getting cold so if you're gonna be stubborn about this i'm gonna keep moving and uh it sounded like he was just setting it up directly in the trail and he wasn't gonna move it and uh i think that guy was not in a good spot in his head yeah he was just like well my wife knows where i am and whatever but it's like that's yeah she's th- gonna know where your body is when a snowmobile runs you over right like that doesn't help anything so you ended up uh you texted chris the race director and just letting him know like hey there's this guy who's kind of you know setting up his bivy in the middle of the trail you might want to check on him right and i don't know if he went back out but he just responded thank you so it's like it that's all i want was like just so i can pass this information along do what right. you need to do with it but because that's a little serious like if something like that happens or like right and yeah so when we were doing that last stretch um from the third checkpoint to the finish you could see because it's dark out it's after midnight and it's getting cold mm-hmm. uh, not like temperature what? wise but you you were getting cold <laughs> and you could see on the trail because all the runners are pulling these sleds and same with skiers and you're going down this trail and you could see little shoots that go off into the powder on the left and the right of the trail there'd be like a couple footsteps and then you'd see the track of their sled going off because people would get off of the trail and they were setting up bivvies uh, on the trail because people were getting cold and didn't want to be out people were tired and fatigued and so there was, I don't know, probably half a dozen 
different tracks that I saw going off of the trail that people mm-hmm. were hunkering down for the night or a few hours or whatever it was. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of the other thing that put it in my head, like, okay, maybe we're getting to a point where we should think about um, getting an hour of sleep. I was exhausted at this point, too. I was the point where you close your eyes and, like, open them, and then you close them, and, like, you're not really sure how long you had them closed. You're just kind of slowly nodding off. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was really pushing Ian to, like, hey, maybe we should just bivy for, like, an hour and then keep going. Or Like, we've got another day to finish this thing. And uh, Well, so we're sitting inside the fire at that that warming house, the clubhouse, and we're talking about with the other two bikers who are in there. And now they're um, we're talking about, like, what's your plan? Yeah, like, are you going to sleep here? Like... And then we're going over it, and we're we're saying that well, we, we our hotel is for two nights, and we have to check out by eleven on Sunday. So which we, at this point it's twelve thirty in the morning. No, it's, or like no, it's one, or one two. yeah, Sunday. Yeah. So we had to get back to get our shit out of the hotel. <laughs> so our, we're just like, yeah, we just have to keep riding through. Like we need to check out. So we ended up uh, having some coffee and taking the twenty minute nap. And then, uh, well, uh, yeah, well, and nap. We were sitting upright in chairs with our head just tilted forward and resting our eyes. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was the nap, <laughs> and it, it it helped honestly. It, I felt so much better. If you drink the coffee before and then do the little twenty minute nap, uh, I've never really done that before. It made such a difference. That was a huge help, especially for me where I was at that point of like needing to fall asleep. Mm-hmm. And we brought five-hour energy shots with us and stuff, but the, once you're to that level of exhausted, it seems like it works for half an hour or something, but then you're more tired than you were before because yeah. you come down from that caffeine high. And so you can't just keep chugging those things because that's going to mess you up worse. And so it was uh, it was it's brutal. Yeah. <laughs> we, so we took the nap. We started slowly getting our stuff. Like, Which most of our stuff was pretty dry. Yeah. We took the liners out of our boots again. We took our layers off and everything. And um, again, you get back outside, 10 minutes into it, you're just as wet as you were before. But our bodies were warm. That's the thing. Right. Our you know, skin and our core had time to warm up inside. So we're not shivering. Yeah, you're wet, but at least you feel warmer. But the trail, it was raining that whole time. So those two hours we were inside, it was just... Getting worse. Terrible. Like, absolutely horrible. There, there were puddles were, all over the trail. There were spots where you'd, yeah, you'd go through a 10-foot-long puddle of water that's across the entire trail. And so you're getting through that, and it's underneath that's a foot of snow. So it's just this slushy slop that you can't even bike in. Mm-hmm. And Ian was super pissed. Uh, I... I was trying to, you know, talk him off of this ledge a little bit, but then he just was bitching me out. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to stop talking. <laughs> yeah, dude. I I think the issue, I just, like, wasn't t- keeping my mind off of the – I needed to put my mind somewhere else to think about, you know, some other environments. But my mind was just so focused on how terrible everything was. Well, and like you said, you hadn't put the time in. Like, I'd been biking tons before this because yeah. I, I didn't have an ankle injury. I was – uh. I was completely destroyed. My like everything was so like painful and like my legs, everything was just so stiff and everything hurt. Like my, I was getting uh, a little bit of numbness in my hands too, from just sitting in the same hand position for so long. Yep. So my fingers were hurting and everything was just like, is I was just very sad and defeated. I was well, just like, <laughs> and if you can imagine having wet clothes on for that long and your legs making that movement, you get a lot of chafing in a lot of uncomfortable areas, yes. and there's nothing you can do about it. There's absolutely nothing you can do. 
And by the time we finished uh, the day afterwards, I, I noticed on my the outsides of my calves and behind my knees, um, there's scabs where the skin literally got rubbed off of my, my leg because of this wet abrasive fabric just continuously rubbing. And there's some patches of hair on like my calf that's not there because it just kept rubbing. And uh, yeah, <laughs> like I didn't know that at the time. I was just like, oh yeah, I'm wet. Everything hurts. Like you don't know what hurts and what doesn't and so then after the fact i was just like oh that's what that was we um so we're riding along through the puddles and stuff right now it's like 4 a.m 5 a.m we got maybe 10 miles left so we're getting really close and like now all we're thinking about is just being done you know like the, the yeah, only you just <laughs> visualize that finish line but four or five miles that's still an hour or two yeah and you're not thinking about the miles you're thinking about the time because, yeah, we're just like, well, we're not going to get back to, like, 6 or 7, like, and then go straight to the hotel and get, like, a couple hours of sleep and then drive home. We're just, like, talking about, like, what are we going to do when we get back? And yeah, it was uh, it was insane. We started at that point um, from that little warming house we were at. The rest of the way we had passed, there was a handful of runners. Like, we probably yeah. passed, you know, I don't know, 8 or 10 runners. And those are people most likely doing the 80 mile that had started at 10 a.m. that morning. And they were running the entire day or walking, pulling their sled. And I don't know how they did that, but more power to you. So we uh, we passed, we're probably, the last four miles, you turn off onto a different trail. So you get off the Tuscobia Trail, you cross a highway, and then you go left yep. to the finish. And that, that's, yeah, a four-mile stretch there that takes you back to the start, which it's a it's still a snowmobile trail. Yeah. It's just a different snowmobile trail. Yeah, it's like the one, like, there's two turns in the entire race, and that's one of the turns. Yep. <laughs> well, that's the turn yeah. going out, and then the second one is that turn coming back. Right. Um, and we knew from the start that that was really good trail, and it was hard packing, so we were just hoping that it was still going to be in somewhat decent condition. And it was. Yeah, which was amazing, but at the same time, you're still only going four or five. And so going four or five miles an hour, like, if you can hold six to eight, versus four to five it's the biggest difference in the world mm -hmm. it doesn't seem like much but that shaves off so much time for in one hour the amount of miles and distance you can cover right and so i was really trying to just like edge ian up to just let's just go a mile an hour faster let's just go a little bit harder and i just kept dropping back like he, he couldn't do it yeah. yeah alex was going like you know eight miles an hour and then i just see like his bike and his rear lights just That's what progressively I kept, like getting further away from me and i'm just like well see at the finish i like, kept looking back and i was like well i'm not gonna drop him because there were points where i was genuinely concerned about ian being able to stay upright on his bike not because of um the trail or how difficult it was but because of his mental state he sounded like he was you know on the verge of just falling over and you know, I was going to sleep. I was broken. He was very broken. There was a, a point, too, where, because uh, we're trying to eat food, we, oh, man, so sick of Uncrustables. <laughs> yeah, we just had those PB&Js that are prepackaged. They're great, because it's like a serving size. You got peanut butter, jelly, and Not bread. Not after but seven of them. Yeah, that, that, it got to be a little bit much. But uh, there was one point where we stopped to munch on those, and uh Ian ate one, and then uh, what was it? About thirty seconds later, your lungs no, like are a couple minutes. Your later. lungs are dying because you're breathing so heavy out here, and uh, like you keep coughing, like you can't help it. Your lungs mm -hmm. just hurt. And there's one point where Ian coughed and then uh, threw up his sandwich, and uh, it's like, yeah. well, there goes all your nutrients. Right. <laughs> I was just like, okay, like.
another uh, just this is another thing and, i guess and that's why yeah like i kept pulling away from ian when i was trying to go faster i was like well i'm not going to drop you and see you at the finish like we got four miles to go but you need to get to the finish and uh as we're getting closer i was looking at my um, the gps i use you can see the map and so uh i was looking at the map because i could tell how far it was to the start point on there because you could see the track that we had already gone on and it's got a scale on the the map so I knew it was about a half mile or three quarters of a mile up and you could see the water tower in the town and um, some of the lights and stuff and so there was this opening in the trees and I was just telling you I'm like that's the finish dude like you see that opening like that's the street crossing that we need to get to and so I was just you know I wasn't really looking up you're just kind of looking at the trail like three feet in front of your tire and just keep watching that and keep pedaling and we get to a um uh there's one or like a road crossing and then i see i see the building and i see the sign that says to still be a winter ultra because it's on the right side it's not across the trail it's off on the right and i was just like okay like thank god we're here like this is it we're done now like it's finally over so i like peel off and turn and alex just keeps going straight (laughs) just keeps riding along misses the misses the time i had no idea i was like it's a block up i see the finish that's that's it we're here and then i hear ian yell alex where are you going and like helen the one of the other race director that's at the finish is uh just laughing at me like uh what, what's he doing <laughs> is he going for 200 does, does yeah. he want some more miles just jokingly like yeah we're done already like i want more it's like well i still have to bike to the hotel so there will be more <laughs> we were joking about that too when we were miserable out there we're like yeah, do we stop at the finish or do we just keep going and go straight to the hotel? Yeah. But yeah, um, I only went, you know, 30 feet past it or something. <laughs> then I turned around. It was still funny. It was great, yeah. So we get to the, we get there. Helen takes our photo and then we go inside and talking. This is right now, yeah, it's like 6.15 in the morning. We, no, no, it was like 6.03. Yeah. Like it was just after 6 a.m. And so it, the du- total duration, we were out there for tw- 24 hours is how long it took. And I was saying earlier, to get out to the halfway point took us nine hours. Getting back from the second half was 13 hours. Yeah. So that's how much slower it was coming back. Yeah, it was nice getting, like, just being done. I was just excited to, like, sit inside, and I was just like, okay, this is this is it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I've completed it. Yeah. It's done. And it's- we're inside uh, giving our time to the race official that's doing the timekeeping, and um, she was telling us, do you have dry layers with you? Um, you you need to get out of those wet clothes because now that you're not generating body heat, um, you're you're going to start shivering and get, get cold because your body can't stay warm. And she's mm-hmm. like, I've already had to have three people get into their sleeping bags because they don't have dry clothes. And we're just like, well, no, it's all back at the hotel. And um, she's like, well, you should get going and like, figure that out. And well, there was free pizza, too, that we sat and we were yep. eating. For- <laughs> oh, yeah. That was great. Yeah, we were really looking for, there was free beer and pizza, but beer did not sound so, uh... Appetizing? No, not at all. (laughs) Yeah, we had the pizza, and then I ended up, um, because of my mental state and my, like, sheer exhaustion of my body, I I got a ride, because my bike could fit in the car, Alex's couldn't, because of his long wheelbase, so my cousin drove me back to the hotel, which is awesome i was so excited right. to one be we just needed to get to sleep because at that point it was 6 a.m we had to be checked out by 11 yeah and so we were like well ian can get a ride back he'll get there first and take a shower and change and then by the time i'm there he'll be done so that way we can just 
as quick as possible get into bed and sleep. And um, I stopped and ate pizza and stuff and then got back on the bike in the cold and the rain and biked back. But I was just like, this is fine. I'm on pavement. Like, I get to ride hard <laughs> pavement on the road the rest of the way back. And uh, nope, it still sucked. Uh, it was really long and shitty. And then, of course, it, uh, we're on the second floor of the hotel. It's like kind of this lodge thing on the shore of the lake. And I had carried my bike up the stairs the night before when we were getting everything prepped for the race and carrying it, well, I guess two nights before at this point, uh, carrying it up that that time, my bike definitely weighed like 20 pounds more than it did before because all of the wet clothes, all of the bags that are on my bike, um, I've got the pogies that cover your uh, handlebars, all that fabric, every single bit of it is holding water. Mm -hmm. And so that extra weight, just carrying it up the stairs, it just really hit me like that's how much heavier this is. And my rain jacket that's supposed to be like a waterproof, you know, impermeable fabric, there's uh, the seams that go over the zipper and stuff where there's like two pieces of fabric. So the inside there's like a pocket of just space, right? Because you've got the inside layer and the outside layer. Yeah. And water had gotten in there and filled it. So it was like bubble wrap filled with water and I could squeeze it and water would squirt out of it. And I don't know how that happens to a rain jacket. Like that Being makes outside me... for eight or 24 hours. Exactly. And I had a roll bag that was a waterproof roll bag and my down jacket and some of my clothes inside of there were damp. And it just makes me think, do I need different gear or is there conditions where stuff just isn't going to be dry? So I don't know, but that yes. was, it was nice when, so getting back, I took a shower and like went straight to sleep and you know, your ass is sore, your nipples hurt, like everything is just, everything hurts. <laughs> but it was really nice getting into warm, dry clothes, just crawling into bed and literally just like passing out for, we also, um, our cousin went downstairs and asked if we could check out later. So they let us check out at noon instead of 11. Yeah. So we got an extra hour of sleep, which is all time. So like I think that was... we went to sleep by like seven. Yeah. So... We got four hours of sleep, and then we had a two-hour drive home. But that four hours of sleep was awesome. It felt so good. Yeah. And then we got up, and then we had to take all of our gear and our bikes and put them back in the trailer and in the car and, like, take off. And we're just go back outside, and it's still raining, and it's still bad. Like, it's the conditions were just constant. Yeah. There was racers. So this was Sunday that we drove back, and the race finished at – you had to be done by 11 p.m. Sunday. And so I can't even imagine any of the bikers, runners, or skiers that were out there because yeah. that trail was horrible. Like you, there's no way you could ride a snowmobile on that with the puddles and stuff. Mm-hmm. And trying to run through that or ski through it with all the water that had only gotten worse overnight. So anybody that finished Sunday, like you are a fucking warrior because that was the most insane course at that point in time. Yeah, it's almost like harder or like worse for the people in the back you know the pack because the conditions the trail got so much worse for this kind of yeah for this race yeah like people who finished the like the last half of the group like you had way more grit and determination to finish because it was so much worse than the people in the front because they got you know the best of the worst conditions right well and then you're out there for less time too the longer you're out there the wetter stuff gets the more it wears on you mentally. Yeah. And like we were saying before, that's the biggest thing is like being in a strong mental state, being able to, you know, 
cognitively make choices of, okay, I need to stop and change layers. Okay, I need to stop and air down my tires because mm-hmm. it's so easy to get caught up in your own head or just be in this, you know, foggy state of mind where you're not thinking about that and you just keep going forward and like, oh, I just need to keep moving. And those that's the kind of state of mind that you end up getting frostbite because you didn't change your, your gloves. Or, or setting up your bivy in the middle of the trail. Exactly, yeah, because you lose your mind out there. And so being able to stay on top of your stuff, even if you're going slow, that's what's going to get you there and get you there safely. Well, we finished. We were the two youngest people to do the 160. There was no one under 30 besides us. Yep. We were the only people in our 20s to finish, which is pretty insane. And so we've finished. Uh, the official results aren't up right now, but based on all the times that they have and all the racers, they have listed what the times were, so it's it's unofficially official. But uh, I, we finished 10th and 11th, and so out of the 52 bikers that started the 160-mile event, 19 of them finished. So it was like a 30% finish rate. <clears throat> That's mental. Uh-huh. I wonder, uh, um, we should look this up after this, but I'm curious about the runners and like that kind of finish rate, how many people backed out of that? And... That's a good question. But... Well, they started Friday morning for the 160. True. Because they got an extra day, so maybe conditions were better then, but the second half was still shit. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't matter which race you were doing. But yeah, so um, moral of the story is you can't train for anything. <laughs> <laughs> yep, bring more gear than you need and hope for the best yeah but yeah and then we got arrowhead in uh four weeks at the end of january up in international three weeks yeah but that one's notorious for being uh 30 degrees below zero and as long as it's dry and you can have dry layers on you can stay warm i think right and just like i'm excited for hard pack trail yeah (laughs) the, the course will be fast at least you can hold 10 miles an hour right so we'll see how that goes that's the next one on the list yeah that was uh that was an event. It sure was. <laughs> cool. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I want to say. We got a free hat. All the finishers get a hat. Yeah, you don't get the hat if you don't finish. <clears throat> yeah, so <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, that's that's what it was. Yeah. Hope this didn't like discourage you from wanting to try it because... It's not going to be worse than that. <laughs> Just know that. Yeah, it's a fun race. I mean, people put it on. Chris and Helen, they're awesome. And the people are, like, all the racers are really cool. Like That was the, the best part. The people that we met out there, like, we met some really cool uh, runners and bikers. And then the volunteers at all the aid stations or the checkpoints mm-hmm. um, were the most helpful people and just pick up your spirits. You know, they continually come up while you're sitting there just... Asking it, if you need anything. Yeah, you're totally fried, and you are just got this thousand-mile stare off it. Like, you're just looking at a wall <laughs> and just n- not even thinking. And then it's like, yeah, do you need anything? Like, can we get you something? It's just like, what? <laughs> no. <laughs> Take but, me home. <laughs> yeah. That's why he was like, do you need anything? I'm like, yeah, a motor for my bike. Like, <laughs> anything. But uh, the people were amazing, and uh, shout-out to all of them for being there and Chris and Helen for putting on an awesome event and, you know, going up and down with the snowmobile, checking on people. Cause yeah. that was, well, this is the 11th year they've done it. So this is, uh, uh, was it? Yeah. I thought it ninth or no, it's the 11th. 11th. Yeah. Okay. So it's been going on for quite a, quite some time. I will say it is a pretty boring race because you're on the same trail. Yeah. So we listened to some music for a little bit and it's nice to have someone to talk to or just kind of break it up a little bit. Yeah. A lot of people do headphones and listen to podcasts or music. Mm hmm. Cool. Well, thanks for listening. Is that it? Yep. All right. <laughs>